Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. That first of all, people are not our enemies. Our battle is not against any flesh and blood. So whatever you want to put into your body, I've never asked anybody before, what did you drink last night? What did you eat yesterday? So I am not, and we are not, against people who have chosen a certain medical thing. We're not against anybody. If you want to, whatever you want to do, you're welcome to do. I just said, uh, me, on behalf of me, <clears throat> as long as I'm senior pastor at this church, you will not be asked for any medical information to come and attend the church, ever. <clears throat> That's the line <clears throat> for me. What, I'm, what I am against is force. I'm against the system uh, that is coercing and bullying and pushing people. I'm against that spirit. So I want to make that clear, is um, I'm also against the spiritual world that's trying to create separation and segregation that's based on personal medical preferences. I am against non-consensual vaccinations. I've had personal problems with that. So I am against that. But I want to remind us that we love people. We're Jesus people. <clears throat> and, uh, and that we don't force people to do anything. We make invitations to you. You're welcome to give. You're welcome to attend. Um, but we don't force you to do anything. So we fight for people's freedoms and choices and their best life choices without removing consequences from their actions. This is what, how Jesus loves us. He lets you make a choice and live with the consequence. Then remove the consequence. So that's how we're going to do it as well. <clears throat> Many times Jesus has not been excited about my choices or the consequences I've had to face. But let me remind you that I still believe that there's nothing that's able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing will separate you from his love and nothing will separate me from loving you. Go ahead and make your choices, whatever choices you want. Now, you're welcome. You're you're free to do as you please. We love you. My role, uh, and the same as government's roles, is not to keep you safe. It's to keep you free. That's my role. And, uh, And I'm sticking with it. Um... One of those freedoms is choice. And so we're, we're in a battle. And part of us are weary because of that battle. We're not even sure what the enemy that we're fighting. And we're in a battle. But the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's about principalities and powers that are trying to impose their right on us. Now, let's be fair. I'm a straight, white, conservative male that believes in Jesus and the Bible. Makes me a minority. So, 
please don't expect me to feel or act or talk otherwise. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be gay. Don't expect me to understand that that well. I'm not, I'm not a person of color. Well, I guess white. <clears throat> but I don't, I don't, right? I don't, I don't know what it's like to be a woman. I don't know what it's like to be a vegetarian. <laughs> don't expect me to act like I know that or act, or act like I, I feel. I don't. I never have. So this is what you get. <laughs> Personal biases and all. So shouldn't be a surprise. But our issue is, is not vaccinations. Our issue is force. And we stand against it, but where there's force, there's no love. Simple as that. Okay. Should we, should we, should we get on with the sermon? Yeah, let's get going. <clears throat> um, so we've been doing a series called This Is Us. And, um, and, and I'm trying to share values of who we are and why we do stuff that are, that are typically not stated. I wanted to put up that picture that I have <clears throat> back there. Do you have it there? This, uh, <clears throat> I was driving, um, actually I was hitchhiking from Oslo to Stockholm when I was about 18 years old. And uh, what I was doing was, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> what I was doing was, um, yeah, traveling to Sweden. And uh, a fellow picked me up in a, Nice Swedish automobile, a Saab. I like Saabs. And um, he, um, he said, as we're driving to Sweden, we're just crossing the border, he said, did you know there was a time when Sweden used to drive on the left-hand side of the road? I said, you know, I never knew that. And I said, how did that work? He said, well, one day they just made the decision, and this, this is the first day when they switched the, in Stockholm, when they switched from driving on the left-hand side to the right-hand side. <laughs> Absolute chaos. Happened in a day. Yeah, I know. It feels like the life we're, we're living in, like what just took place, kind of happened kind of quickly, but it was a slow, it's been a slow erosion over a period of time. But when we look at life, especially in the story of Esther, and uh, I, I think this is one of the things I'm looking at, who are, who are we in such a time as this? And I feel this is a word of the Lord, the book of Esther right now. Her story is very, very pertinent and very, very clear. So today I want to talk about this as us. We're in this together. We are the church. We are the gathered ones. The, the danger and some of the pressure that's faced on us is to separate and isolate. You, it, in Genesis, it says it's not good that man should be alone. He was meaning humanity. It's not good that any the humans be alone. We're meant to be together. We're not meant to function alone. One's the loneliest number, David. One's the loneliest number that you'll ever hear. <laughs> Thank you, Ringo Starr, for that. <clears throat> and so in Ephesians <clears throat> chapter 1, it says that now... He, Christ, is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, anything else in the world or in the world to come. And God's put all things under the authority of Christ and gave him his, uh, this authority for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body, and it's filled by Christ who fills everything, everywhere with his presence. That's a pretty all-inclusive statement. I'm saying <clears throat> who we are as the church gathered 
is different than who we are as a church scattered. Every Sunday, I try to give you a commission. Now, where you go. Go do what you need to do. But when we gather, we gather for a purpose, and we're better together. He says we're a body. He's using an analogy about like what your, we need every part that in your body to make your body work. Your heart's important. Your gallbladder, mm. No, but I mean, you need every Without a pancreas, you're a little bit, or without a something with a, he's saying together we have, a, everybody has a part to play. And something happens when the body gathers and is filled with the authority and the presence and the power of Christ. This, we, we have the potential of nuclear explosion every time we gather. And we gather to contribute, not just to consume. You bring your gifts together, you bring your part together, because someone might need your part, and, and, and that's what we do. We, we come together. So that's who we are. The, and then it says a little bit later, is that we are his house, Ephesians 2, built on the foundation of apostles, prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ himself. He's the one that keeps everything straight. And we who believe are carefully joined, uh, becoming the holy temple of the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also joined together as part of his dwelling, where God lives by his spirit. <clears throat> so this is, this is a miracle. It's a mind-blowing miracle to me how that, this even works. But I'm just going to do this by faith. Every Sunday, I'm going to gather. I, every Sunday, I'm going to gather, and I'm going to expect for the presence of God to be tangible in a way that it wasn't when I'm alone. It's, so that's the point I want to make. This is who we are. This is us. Um, we're gathered people. And, and so I just want to look a little bit at the book of Philippians as we talk about that. And before I do, I, wanna, I want us to have a quick little meander through um, the book of Esther again. Now, last week I told you how the banking system worked. I oversimplified how the banking system worked. Talked about uh, Peter, the prospector, Bob, the banker, and uh, Paul, the politician. Uh, what I didn't say was that Peter is out of gold. That's how the banks work, and that's how politicians make their promises, and, but, but there's no more gold. P that, what they used to do is extend money based on the gold someplace. And, uh, but, but we're out of gold. We're no longer doing that. We're just issuing money, which is the reason why we're moving toward an economic collapse, which is okay because Jesus is our provider, and we're going to make it. It's going to be fine. But it's going to be a bit chaotic because we're used to a certain system functioning a certain way. That, that's in the process of change right now. So that shouldn't be a big surprise for anybody, but that's just sort of the way it is. The, the story of Esther, such an important one. Um, <clears throat> she's the, been crowned the queen of Persia, but it wasn't the result of her own doing. That's the point I want to make today. She wouldn't have got to the throne if it wasn't for Mordecai. So we need people... When the Lord wants to promote you, he'll put a person around you who has a sphere of authority that'll invite you to another level. We don't just, doesn't just show up someday. You need to go do an interview and got to have some favor and you got to have some skills. And so she needed Mordecai. Now, Mordecai, he's a critical player in the story. She never got to where she was alone. When you see a piano on a hill, you know it never got there by itself. But there's something else that sort of took place here because nobody is an island. And when you look at 
Uh, what I was amazed at this, year, day, this last week when I'm reading through Esther was this uh, little eunuch named Hathak. If you've read Esther, you'll know that, well, you probably went over that because it's just like, I mean, anytime it talks about eunuchs, I, I get nervous anyway, but he, he's talking about this, this uh, fellow named Hathak. And um, so what, what he is, is a runner between the harem and Mordecai at the gate, where all decisions were made for, this, for the nation. They're made at the city gates. So he was like a legal transactor of business and law, Mordecai. He got there because of Esther, and Esther got to where she was as the queen because of Mordecai. So my point is, we're in this together, and we need people around us, probably more today than maybe ever. All right, so, so uh, as I was reading through chapter 3 and 4 of Esther, I thought, what would be an interesting magazine, Harem News, what's taking place in the harems. Um, um, at that time, there was 15 million Jews that are scattered throughout the Persian Empire. But, but what was taking place was a quiet insurrection. That, each of, that, that a bill got passed while they're having dinner, um, just everything's normal going on. A bill got passed for the Jews to all be killed. And everybody just kept on going on, driving on their side of the road and, until one day. So this is, that's why it's interesting to me. Um, the Empire, Persian Empire stretched from India to Ethiopia. So, that, so what, what, be, what would have happened as this, as this law began to come into a law, the, the, the Jewish people at that time were getting very nervous because they're unsafe in their own land. They were unsafe in their own land. And if they would have tried to run for the hills, the hills were a heck of a long ways away because the empire stretched from India to Ethiopia. There was no place for them to go. They, the, the story has tension and drama and maybe you don't feel the anti-Semitic sentiment currently, but you feel a discrimination and a segregation and a separation nonetheless. And we are currently living there and we can't quite get out of it. Am I right? Am I right? There's a, there's a classes of citizens being now formed that we kind of don't have any very much control over, but I'm here to say we still got a choice and we can choose how we act in the middle of it. Okay, that's my point. Um, they're dining, uh, Haman and the king, and, um, and all of a sudden, um, the, the, uh, the edict that was sent out, it, it didn't seem to matter, but it sure mattered to the Jewish people. I read from Proverbs chapter 24 right now. It says, rescue those who are unjustly sentenced to death and don't stand back and let them die. Verse 12, don't try to avoid responsibility by saying you don't know about it, for God knows all the hearts and he sees you and watches over your souls and he knows that you know. <laughs> I couldn't quit thinking about that. It's a responsibility of those who are responsible to do what they can for the betterment of humanity anytime they can, anywhere they are. It's a biblical mandate. So what happened with with Esther, it was unlawful for anybody to come before the king who looked sad. 
He lived in an artificial paradise, insulated from the people. And he didn't want to feel how the people felt and if things were bad were going on, you just weren't supposed to bring your saggy, grumpy carcass before the king uh, or it could result in uh, not good things happening to you. Death. Not that good. Um, So it's interesting that how God uses specific people. And this is what I want to say is that nobody's insignificant today. Nobody. We're not sure who this little lad was that had the loaves and the fishes when Jesus needed to use them to do a miracle. Not sure who he is, but you want to believe he was an important part of that whole miracle. We're not sure who the little girl is who said to Naaman, go and dip yourself. We're not sure who she was, but you want to believe she was important. You maybe don't know too much about, hey, fact, the little eunuch. He probably was big. I don't know. Eunuchs were probably ripped. I haven't met any eunuchs, I don't think. I don't know. But, but he, you, don't, you don't know about the man that helped Paul get into the basket to get out of the city. But nobody's in unimportant is what I'm trying to say. We need other people to connect us to other people so we can get to the truth and we can stand together and we don't separate and we don't isolate. God brings people divinely into our paths for purposes that we may not even know at the time. But we need to be asking the Holy Spirit, why is this person in my life right now? And there is such a thing as divine subtraction as well, I think. Why is this person here? That's right. No, I mean that's the other side of the story. Not everybody's got your best interest. Hathak was just a runner. And he might even have been a Jew. We don't know. We don't know. But what happens when God's in us, that's called salvation. But when God works through us, that's called servanthood. And we're all called to be servants. We get by with a little help from our friends. It's such such an interesting story. And um, in verse 4, the virgins in waiting... When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed, and so she sent clothing to him to replace the sackcloth. If the, if the king would have seen him in sackcloth, he, he may have uh, killed him. So it's a, it would have been a personal threat. And so what she did, she did the best she could. She said, well, I'm going to give the guy some new clothes. But she didn't understand quite what was going on yet. Um, and, and here's the result of that. Mordecai says, I told you the whole story. And uh, I told him how much money Haman had promised to pay the royal treasury. Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of the decree. He says, here's a copy of what actually is going on. Here's here's a law that was written. And it's for the extermination of all the Jews in the country. 15 million. He said, and here's a copy. Here's proof that it's going to happen. This isn't just hearsay. And he he also asked Hathak to explain to hurt Esther and urge her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Uh, You can read that rest of yourself. But then verse 13, Mordecai sent back this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that you'll escape there in the palace when all of the Jews were killed. He's probably reminding her that she she potentially, once she shows her uh, ethnicity, he's he's probably saying this, uh, Uncle, Uncle Mort, He's probably saying that, by the way, you're not going to get out of this neither unless you speak up. 
And that's what it says. So that all the Jews don't think you're going to, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance for the Jews will arise from someplace else. He's saying, okay, if, you, if, 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 if you're not going to speak up, someone's going to speak up because God doesn't want this to happen. I'm saying, if, I'm saying if somebody doesn't speak up, God has somebody else who will speak up. She was in such a place for such a time that she could speak up. Now, she, I'm, not, now I'm not invoking civil disobedience at this time specifically because she'd made very special preparation and very special prayer and very special uh, um, uh, th- th- thought processes and everything before she and went before the king. So should we. We should think, pray, Lord, is this from you? Is this how you want me to do stuff and all of that? And uh, <clears throat> as you are seeing and feeling currently the discriminatory culture that is rising amongst us, uh, never has the outcome of segregation for any reason come. <clears throat> so church family is no place for discrimination. In our church family, is no place for discrimination. In our church family, there's no place for discrimination. Please help me remove this ungodly mindset from our thinking and from our speaking. Please. Edmund Burke is known to have said, all that's required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. For such a time as this, Esther felt helpless. What can I do? I'm in the harem. I don't even, I can't even, maybe she's avoiding responsibility. <clears throat> what can you do from a harem? What can you do? Well, first of all, he reminds you you can't hide in the palace. Secondly, silence won't bring deliverance. And third, remember how you got there. Your whole path of getting to where you are today, and each one of us are no different. The path of how we got to where we are resulted in the hand of God moving some mountains, shifting some things, and us getting into places where we are right now. <clears throat> okay, that's for another sermon. Mort was a good man. Hathak was a good man. And I want to now give us the final word on who we are. We are the gathered people. We are the church. <clears throat> I just, doing the wedding yesterday for Justice Harder, it was so touching. I've been her only pastor her whole life. What's this? <laughs> She'll probably have all of my dysfunctions. Anyway, it was, it was very touching. But Ephesians chapter 5 says, if you don't have a revelation of marriage, you will not have a revelation of the church. And vice versa. Because what he's speaking about, it's a picture of Christ and his church, a picture of marriage. If you don't have a revelation of marriage, you will not have a revelation of the church, how it works. Who are we? Well, we're the church, the called out ones. We've heard the call and we've responded to the call. What's the call? The call is to come and gather. We should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, even more so as we see the return of Christ coming imminently. We love being together. Doesn't matter ethnicities, convictions, color, status. We love diversity. We love life with all its twists and turns. We love life, and we believe that life began at conception, and that abortion is murder. We love others when we gather, and we hope to learn from all of them because we love to grow. What are you saying, Pastor Lord? I'm now going to give you my last point is how the Apostle Paul handled a lockdown. 
Are you ready? He learned that whatever state he was in, there was to be content. How content are we in our current state? Don't answer that question. Think about it. Romans chapter 1 verse 15 said, I'm ready to come to Rome to preach the gospel. He didn't say he was ready to come as a prisoner. He said, I'm ready to come as a preacher. He didn't plan on that to happen. But verse 21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He had one single focus. Can we have one single focus? That focus is Christ. Jesus, Christ, and him crucified. Our one focus. And let's let other actions flow out of that. Verse 1 of Philippians. It says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Jesus Christ. We are better alone, or sorry, together than alone. That email you're about to send, maybe have somebody else read it before you send it. Boy, that saved me a lot of trouble, or vice versa when I didn't. Got me into a lot of trouble. We're better together. Have somebody else like proof what you're going to say, what you're going to, I mean, I mean, two by two. It was good enough for the animals in the ark, good enough for the disciples. Christianity is a team sport. We do stuff together. Bounce it off somebody. Peter and Paul, we do something together. Um, It's a matter of historic record that John Wesley and John Whitfield disagreed on doctrinal issues. Both won thousands to Christ. A reporter asked Wesley if he expected to see Whitfield in heaven. The evangelist replied, no. The reporter probed, then you don't think he's a converted man. Wesley replied, of course he's a converted man. I don't expect to see him because he will be so close to the throne of God and I'll be so far away that I just won't be able to see him. (laughs) Hey, how are we going to get along with people with different views? We better figure it out. Any amens? We better figure it out. Because we're in it together. That's my point. We're we're the church together. (laughs) We don't gather together and worship because we totally agree on everything. We gather together and worship every Sunday because we believe in Jesus Christ. He is our hope, our living hope, and he's the center of our existence. That's why we gather. I love this. Verse 1 to 6. It says, every time I think about you, I give thanks to God for you, and I always pray for you, and I always make requests with a heart full of joy. Because you've been my partner, you've been, one, one, one uh, version says, uh, it's, uh, we've been, it's fellowship of the good news. This is it, we're spreading the good news for the first time, uh, from the first time you heard until now, I'm sure that God who began this good work in you is going to continue it. Just it's so interesting to me, here's, here's what, what if we, what if we, he says, first of all, he says, I remember you. I think that's beautiful. When, because we're in this together. God connects us, and then as we go through our day, people come onto, into our mind. Why do you suppose that is? People come into our mind because we're not in this together. He, people come into our mind because he wants to remind us that we're not in this alone. Paul said, he said, I, in my remembrance of you, and here's what I do, because we're connected together, I pray for you with joy. What if the Lord puts somebody on your mind and you're not joyful about them? Well, maybe you should just stop what you're doing until you get joyful and then maybe you should pray for them. 
But he says, every remembrance of you, I pray for you with joy. This is such an important thing for us, people, to get joy. You know what Jesus feels about us? He feels joyful. So what about the people that come across your mind? You can get joyful about them before you pray for them. Because your prayer is going to be more effective if you actually have the heart of Jesus for this person. Most people went silent at that point. Do you pray for people that come to your mind? The core of the gospel is others. How joyful are you when when you pray? Um, Fellowship. It's more than coffee and golf. He says our fellowship, he's 800 miles away in Rome. He's a long ways away, but he said, so it's quite likely the Philippi, the Philippi, Philippi was named after Alexander the Great's dad. What's Paul, what's Paul doing? It's quite likely that the Philippians were the only ones that sent an offering to him. What's, what's the big deal? Paul's in a very difficult situation. He's in jail. He's in like a full physical lockdown. But he says, when I think of these people that are a long ways away and we're still connected and we're still in this together, I think of you with joy. I don't think of you with self-pity. Oh, poor me. Things are sure bad over there in Manitoba. He thought of them with joy. Hey, I'm, I'm asking us to remove discriminatory language and thinking from us and start to think about people with joy that Jesus loves everybody. <laughs> He didn't just love Mordecai, he loved Haman. I don't like Hamans. But Hamans need prayer too. I'll go longer if you don't get it. <clears throat> he was in Roman prison under lockdown. He says, you're not only in my prayers, you're not only in my remembrance, you're in my heart. How many people are you allowing in your heart? Only those that agree with you? Because maybe the hope of the world is meant to be that we carry other people in our heart that maybe don't think exactly the same as we do. What if that is a point of growth for us? What if? I remember the, um, I was coming to town. We were coming to uh, buy a house because the Lord called us here, plant a church. And um, I was staying at mom's second cousin's once removed. <laughs> and her sister was there. And uh, we were having a conversation and her husband, I said, hey, what do you do? And he said, well, I, I'm an engineer in town. I said, oh, really? Like, like, what do you build? He said, have you seen the Husky Tower? I said, yeah. He said, that, I built that. I said, well, that's impressive. Uh, he says, what do you do? And I said, well, uh, currently, I'm moving to Calgary to plant a church. And I'll never forget the feeling I had when he looked across the room at me and said, Calgary doesn't need another church. Why are you coming? But, but the only difference between me and him is I had a word. God, God had told me, I'm going to reach some people that nobody else would reach. I didn't care what that engineer said. Oh, sorry, I did care very much. It hit me pretty deeply. But I'm called to, call, to bring call people together. And the unity we have is our unity in Christ. That's why I'm here. Not to bring division or separation or segregation or discrimination I'm here to call us together under one head, and that head of the church is Jesus Christ. Do you get that online? Um, 
What he he uh, I've, uh, I've 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 ran out of time. I just want to scoop across to where he he actually says towards the end of this. Uh, for I want you to understand. God knows how much I love you, long for you with tender compassion. I pray that your love for each other will overflow more and more and more. What a great prayer that our love for each other would would uh, grow. You'd keep on growing in your knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters. You want to know what really matters? So that you may live pure and blameless lives until Christ returns, which is right now. And may you always be filled with the fruit of salvation, those good things that are produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. Let me just finish off. Live like citizens of heaven, chapter t- verse 27. Uh, read it yourself. Verse 30, we're in this fight together. And chapter 2, if there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, I think that the church of Jesus Christ should be the most encouraging people in the world. I believe it. You, you need to be following me on Instagram. Here's why. It's because I find people that need encouragement, and I shoot them an encouragement. I'm so glad you're standing up for your convictions. I'm so, I'm, I'm so glad you live where you live. I'm so glad you're a light. I'm so glad that you're in this world. Are, what, if, what if we, hey, what if I said, when you come to church every week, I'm going to give you a compliment. If you knew that, Richard, nice hair. Our biggest issue would be parking. People don't need to be told what they're not doing right. That's not our job. We're not to point bony, cold-hearted fingers at anybody and tell them where their faults are. We're meant to be encouragers. My greatest encourager is Jesus Christ by his spirit. He reminds me that I'm a well-loved son of the Most High. Man, I feel good. Thank you. And if there's any encouragement, if there's any comfort from his love, if there's any fellowship or partnership together in the spirit, are our hearts tender and sympathetic, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one heart and one purpose. I wish that scripture wasn't there, but it is. What if we can find stuff that we agree on and be wholeheartedly agreement? Let's agree on one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. There's one way to the Father through Jesus. He's not a way, he's the way. And he's Yahweh. Whoa. Last point, and this isn't even a point. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make good impressions on other people. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs. Be interested in others too and what they're hearing. Church, we're seldom as heard a discouraging word. The sky is not cloudy all day. We need to be a place of encouragement, people. Can I ask you to leave your discrimination at the door when you come in? I can't, I, can't, I can't say what you're going to do through the week. But when we come together, could we find what we agree on? We agree on Christ. We agree on the word of God. We're people who are people, word people. We're Jesus people. We're gathered people. And you may not agree with the person beside you. They might not look as good as you think or smell as good as you hope. However, we're in it together. Can I get an amen?
<laughs> I think we're good. <clears throat> Mordecai, Haman, Hathok, Esther, Paul, Timothy. Question, the, the, the greatest question in closing, what are you gonna do with your power? How are we gonna steward our power? How are we gonna steward our revelation? How are, we, how are we gonna steward these things that God has given us? We need to serve. I'm gonna close reminding us that we're in this thing together. In one day, Sweden was changed. In one day, Persia was changed. What if in one day, Calgary changed? For better and not for worse. <laughs> What if there's, light, there's still light in the gospel? What if there's still salt in the shaker? Let's get it out there. Let's be encouragers. Let's be loving. Let's be kind. Let's be tender. On Tuesday, I'm going to pray for people who are losing their, potentially losing their job. We're going to pray for everyone. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to petition a politician on that. I'm going to petition Jesus for that. That's what I'm going to do. Would you stand with me as we wrap up? <clears throat> Father, by your spirit now. God had done my best. Share what I feel you placed on my heart. I hope, I hope it was all from you. Chances are it wasn't. Knowing me, we prophesy in part. Father, your intense love for these people, your church, that you are the head of. Today, I come before you on their behalf. And I ask for forgiveness where we've been petty and we've been selfish and we've thought of our own interests more than others. Father, you said as a guarantee to us, he who has started a work in you, that you, he would finish it. And I believe all of us are in that process right now. So God, wherever we are on that perspective or on that scale, I ask for supernatural mercy, supernatural grace, supernatural impartation of the love of Jesus, that we might be that to the world. Father, as your body, I pray today that, that that light would still penetrate our dark hearts and that we could find those things that are on your heart and agree to be the change that we want to see in this world in the name of Jesus. Hey, I don't know if there's a burden on your heart when you came. I'd be happy to pray for you. I'll put sanitizer on my hands if you want. Honestly, I will. I'll do anything to it. But... Um, I think the word of the Lord for us, and I encourage you to read both Philippians and the book of Esther. You'll find parallels. There's stuff going on. We all know it. There's injustices taking place. And that, that anger that you feel, I'd ask you to submit that to the Lord. It's, it's everywhere. We need to function in the opposite spirit of, which the, of what the spirit of the world right now. My, 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 my encouragement and my commission today, through those doors, walk people of supernatural encouragement. God bless you. Have an awesome week. You're released. Go and change your world. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.